0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of JM Rewind. JM Rewind gives us an opportunity to check out some recent interviews we've done on JM and the AM. Yeshai Fleischer, international spokesman for the holy city of Hebron, has been traveling in the United States. We caught up with him recently on JM Nam. Here he is on JM Rewind on the Nachum Segal Network. Well, we promised you Yeshai Fleischer. Yishai Fleischer is international spokesman for the Jewish community of Hebron, plus, of course, many other titles, including broadcaster, journalist, etc. He's traveling now in the United States and he joins us on this Wednesday morning broadcast at JM in the AM. Yeshai Shalom and welcome back to JM in the AM. Nachum, how are you? What's going on? Baruch Hashem, everything is wonderful. I, uh, I was thinking of you for a variety of reasons. <laughs> this crazy world of ours has uh, uh, gives us a lot to think about to say the least. And frankly, I, I wanted to have you on yesterday uh, and I'm glad at least it worked out for today, Baruch Hashem. As you know, yesterday, the 18th of Menachem Av was the anniversary of the 1929 Tarpat Massacre. 92 years. And I wanted to get your perspective as we move so further and further away from such an important and obviously very sad event in Jewish history. Um, A lot of people, because of the comfort and luxury that we're in, both here and in Israel especially, don't realize what life was like for Jews pre-state. What are your impressions when you think back of what happened in Hebron 92 years ago?
1: Well, you know, uh, the the way that you framed it is that uh, you know now we kind of don't remember the the horrors of the past because of the comfort of today. That might be true in a lot of parts of the Jewish world, uh, if it's in America and and a lot of parts of Israel as well, but in Hebron you still remember it very well. If If you come to Hebron, the reason you remember it well is because uh, that massacre, which was headed up by uh, a very bad dude by the name of Hajimine al Husseini, he was the mufti of Jerusalem, um, and he taught the Arabs there. He taught them Nazi-like um, hate for Jews. And I say the word Nazi specifically because he actually became a Nazi.
2: Right.
1: He became an active member of the Nazi Party and was the head uh, one one of the heads of the Bosnian SS which ended up killing 40,000 Jews. So he had a long career of hating Jews and killing Jews. The problem is, is uh, today in Hebron, the mayor of Hebron is a, is a guy by the name of Tiasir Abu Snena and he himself had a hand in murdering six Jews in 1980. Today he's the head of the city, the mayor of the town. So in, in Hebron, that kind of attitude and that kind of jihadist hate for, for the Jewish people is still prevalent it's far from everybody in chevron we have many arabs who are uh, who in 1929 saved jews and even today we have many arabs who are you know pro state of israel and certainly not 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 uh, looking to murder jews in, in the nazi fashion and yet there are plenty who are yeah. uh and so and we see them and we hear them and they attack our community and we we fight off um stabbing attacks and shooting attacks et cetera, you know on a weekly basis so what can I tell you? Uh, it's not like that ideology is gone, and moreover, it has shifted today from just knives and guns to also trying to erase Jewish history. And so we see um, the, the the Ben and Jerry's thing. Ben and Jerry's called to stop. Uh, they decided to stop selling ice cream in what they call the occupied Palestinian territories. They even came up with this uh, Rosh Hashanot OPT, the occupied Palestinian territories, and they're telling the world the Jews don't belong in Judea and Samaria, which really means, by the way, it always really means Jews don't belong in Israel, because if we don't belong in Hebron, and if we don't belong in so-called East Jerusalem, which is the Kotel and the Temple Mount, then we certainly don't belong in Tel Aviv, because right. they're undermining all of our history. So, so that's, it's just code, really. It's just code language. So in some ways, you know, Israel today is a fabulous country, and you were, you were in Israel last week while I was here uh, in, in Florida and in Texas, um, um, and so, so I'm jealous of you a
0: little bit. Um, <laughs> some people, would, some people would say you've chosen well, Florida and Texas. <laughs> some, some might say the only but, two normal states still around.
1: <laughs> right. Well, yeah. No, it is fun to to to, to, to travel here. Uh, but just to finish off that last point, you know, Israel is really doing so so well, and yet some of that old hate is is very popular today. Yeah. <laughs> so. So so it's out there. Uh, with regarding to Texas, it is a great state and I wanna tell you one of the things I love about this state is Texas Pride. I just love it. You go into the store and they have uh shirts that say, I love this shirt. There's a, a famous song by you play Jewish music, but there's a, a famous artist named Garth Brooks and he's got this song that starts Blame it all on my roots. So they have this like shirt that says, Blame it all on my roots. And I was like, That's what we need in Hebron. You know, blame yeah. it on my roots. Yeah. It's, it's the fathers and the mothers. Anyway, it's great to be down here with the with good <laughs> Texas bride. It's, uh, it's some. I was in Palestine, Texas. I went to Palestine. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I went there on purpose to make a video and to take pictures and to, and to just hang out there. And, and guess what? Palestinians from Palestine, Texas, they are as pro Israel as you can get. Uh, with 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 a belief in the Tanakh and a, and, a, and a belief in the God of Israel, so uh, Palestinians. I, I I wanted to make a video that Palestinians stand with Israel.
0: Yeah, no doubt. I I have no trouble believing that. It's funny you say about the roots. Whenever someone says to me, "You're so tall," I always say I blame my parents. So when people <laughs> when people yell at us for the love of Hebron, we should blame our parents for that as well. Uh, and, of course, you just reminded me that uh, the person or one of the people responsible for the murder of my friend Shmuel Mermelstein in 1980 is now the mayor of Hebron, something to keep in mind mm. when we think of the uh, – and, and, of course, I've had the – I would call it honor of of sleeping in Beit Hashishah, which, of course, is named for the victims of that night, uh, Shabbat night, Lagba Omer weekend back in 1980. Uh, Yishai Fleischer is with us. He's speaking to us from the United States. I had a um, – I I, I I was so curious about your, your um, lessons from COVID and not really, you know, whether the prime minister and other leaders in this world are doing the right or wrong thing. I mean, the fact that you're hanging out in Texas probably gives you a better perspective regarding how things should be handled COVID-wise. But, I mean, the, you know, when we look back now at, you know, God uh, engineering the closure of the world, so to speak, for a year and a half or at least, you know, some type of closure – for a year and a half and the restrictions on travel and most importantly and you shy this is where i really want to get your comment most importantly where jews in the diaspora have recently since the establishment of the state and certainly since 1967 have always had the attitude if something goes wrong i have a passport if something goes wrong and i, I could always get to the holy land to get to protection to a protective atmosphere and then of course we've seen i could tell you how tough it is even for a guy like me with siblings in israel how tough it is to still get into the Holy Land right now. I'd like to get your perspective on those of us who mistakenly felt if anything goes wrong, we could immediately get to the Holy Land. Yeah,
1: well, I, I like to speak candidly on, on this topic, and it's um, uh, there's there's a lot of issues here. First and foremost, let's just remember that real people were were hurt, and 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 people died from this disease. Continue to die. Uh and so like before we talk about it in any other way, I just want to make it clear that that like our heart goes out to the people who, who were infected, who were hurt by this thing. I know many people that one way or another were quite seriously hurt and injured uh, through this thing and loss of life. So that's that's like the first that's the first thing and we all have to pray that that Hashem gets rid of this disease, uh, out of this world. That's that's number one. Uh, number two is for me, the minute this thing struck, the minute it struck a Baruch put in my mind the thought that this is like a Shemitah year. It's like a Shemitah year. It's like a, it's like a year where, where things are left fallow, like the Torah says, the seventh year. And, and I just understood that this was a time for me, and I'm talking myself personally, right. to go into the house, to spend time with my kids, and to write and to do other things and to just take it easy and, and enjoy. Let, let this strange situation kind of like wash over me. And I, I personally, unlike some of my friends, had a great year. I just enjoyed it so much, uh, that, that personal time with the family. Uh, we weren't stuck in a city. We were outside. We were in, you know, in, 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 Cushcheon, and and there was still room to breathe and to go, and to go out. Other friends of mine, though, I have to tell you, suffered either from, actual COVID or from a type of COVID derangement syndrome, which was either the kind that my Jeremy friends, people who are, and I don't mean this derogative in a derogatory manner at all, people who feared, you know, getting sick, got hyper, hyper nervous. Right. And then the other kind my let's call them the range of spectrum between anti-vaxxers and, and freedom Type people who don't want, you know, government oversight. Really, some of them actually flipped out. I have I have good friends who were like really, really mentally suffered during this time because they just felt that there was coercion, that the whole thing was a lie, and then that that the the narrative was was you know telling them something that it's not, and certain medicines were were not being given, and they just they got so deeply into it, and they they got very upset, and instead of kind of having a peaceful year, they had a very upset year. Now, with regarding to what you specifically wanted to know about about Jews in the diaspora, I was, at first, for the first year of this, that, and that's the other part, it was, it's now been over a year. The, the, the one year, I think, was okay. You know, we were able to deal with it. But now it's becoming, like, too much. And so I have friends also in the tourism industry. And my tourism friends, like my good friend Mayor Eisenman, uh, whose family's from Passaic, you know, he's a great, wonderful, amazing tour guide, uh, for, especially for the Haredi sector and with a great love of Eretz Israel he says to me Isha, this is absurd we should make a uh, we should make it so that Jews um, should have an easier time coming here what is this restriction so at first i was i saw the positive side to uh, a little bit of what you were hinting at which is let Jews know that Eretz Israel is not Disney World that you could come to it at any time. Right. And maybe the absence makes the heart grow fonder. And maybe the realization that, like, it's not always yours for you know the the holy vacation that I wanted to take, with the food vacation that I want to go to Eretz Yisrael, and you know, and that kind of attitude where it's like this, like playground for Yiddishkeit and for for my summer or whatever it is. It's more of a place that we have to do, earn, develop, mm-hmm. fight for, etc. But now it's starting to go the other way, which is it's like it's like a year and a half, and people are like, hey, you know, like State of Israel, like why are you, why are you keeping us out so so stringently? Like find us ways to to come into the land. Uh, now Israeli leaders, you know, are trying to protect Israel from from getting sick. I understand them, but it's really a a, a tough situation. And people here are, uh, you know, people here in the United States, I, I could see that they're. That they're really, uh, as we say, chalishing, really yearning for for a chance to to get back. One thing that I can tell you also is an interesting correlation, maybe correlated, is that purchase of property in the land of Israel by American Jews has skyrocketed. Right. Uh, That's a fact. Uh, I don't know if it's correlated, but it's a fact that it has skyrocketed. People just sense that... They have to have their and when I go around speaking now, I don't even, I don't even tell people like make aliyah. I just say buy an apartment in Israel. It's right. good for your money. It's good for your future. And people are like, you're right. So, so all all, toge- all together, what can I tell you, Nachem, It's it's a wild it's a wild situation. Don't don't, don't go a, down and
0: don't a lot of the people in Hebron need the tourism industry to return. Not just the guides, but in general, you you know you're, you may go through another Sukkot now, where where there aren't tens of thousands of people. Visiting the holy city, and that could, that could only be to the detriment of the people living there.
1: One hundred percent, and 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 we just just on our internal groups, we were just discussing Chai Sara, is Chai Sara like happening or, or, or not happening? Uh, are people going to be coming or not coming? So, and, La- and last, you know, I already
0: last, I, last year Chai Sara was just completely empty, like completely canceled. Yes,
1: it yes, it was completely canceled. Yes, oh, yeah. yes, it was completely. It was it was. You know what I mean? It was. It was it was it was bereft of her children, you know that type of thing. But okay, for one year, you know, right. you could stand the mishugas. But like now, it's starting to be, it's starting to go over that shemitah year and starting to uh, to go long. Um, and look, you can be there's different sides of the discussion. Is it is it just? Are we doing the right thing by by keeping the country safe by not letting people from the outside in? Uh, my my good friends, you know, swear up and down that that's not right. That we have to. Uh, allow more people to come back in and we have to kind of break
0: break the siege. It's funny because this morning, earlier this morning during the show, I commented on the air without referencing Shemitah. I commented on the air that now that we realize this is going to be a lot – I mean, it's summer. Everyone assumed that, you know, even though it didn't happen last summer, everyone assumed that with summer now, you know, things would really ease up in terms of the – uh, delta variant and it wouldn't be as serious. Everyone for some reason, I shouldn't say everyone, but us lay people for some reason always think the winter, you know, lends itself to more of serious health situations. Um and, and it's not happening the way we predicted and not happening the way we hoped. And now it's gonna be a lot more than a year. And this may be I mean pandemics last. Pandemics last for a while. There there are four, three, four and five year cycles of these things. So I think we just I, I, I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to encourage you know people around the world to start putting pressure on public officials to figure out responsible ways you know you could do a chayesara just as an example with pcr testing with proof of vaccination i mean there's a way to at least you know stem the tide and almost guarantee that you're going you know beyond the call of duty to make sure that the crowd is protected i i I just don't think our public officials see it that way that's all
1: yeah um (laughs) yeah It's it's such a tricky topic because I you know, I, cause there's like 'cause I I keep my ears open and I hear like both sides and they're right. so strident in their in their perspectives. So, look, I flew on an airplane just now with, with my three kids, and they all had masks on the whole time. On the other hand, when people asked me to vaccinate my, my, my young children, I said, no, I'm not going to do that. It's, I'm just it's – not, it's not ready. It's not tested. I'm not, this thing doesn't attack children, seriously. So, what, you know, I'm not going to put something in my children's body that, I, that I'm not ready for. Right. To do a chai sarah with PCR testing – it's an interesting idea.
0: It's an interesting idea. Um, you may not get the twenty thousand people, but you may get two thousand people. Who knows? Right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yishai Fleischer is with us, international spokesman of the Holy City of Hebron, and of course uh, many other distinguished positions. He's now traveling in the United States. Um, finally, Yishai, and um, I-, I mentioned to you off the air that uh, uh, I mean, any any time I could reference my dear dear brother and friend, Mayor Weingarten, of blessed memory. I take the opportunity to do so. And this is the type of thing I would have brought up with him on the air. And, uh, t- and today you're going to assume that role, my friend. And I thank you for that. Uh, I'm in Israel last week, and y- y- you're going to think this is nuts. And when I would bring up these topics, he sometimes would think I was crazy. But I'm, I'm flying on the plane and, you know, checking out the videos that they have online. And I mean, I'm, I don't even know if you know about this because I don't know if you're into TV at all. But there's a show in the United States called Cash Cab, okay? And the idea, okay. the idea is someone gets into a cab in New York, and and it turns into a game show, you know, completely unbeknownst. Yeah, we have it in Israel. Okay. We so, have it also. So in Israel, they call it, and so I'm watching the Israeli version, which I had never seen before until this trip. It's called, um, I think it's called Monit Kesef. I think it's called Monit Kesef, if I'm not mistaken, or Kesef Monit, whatever it is. Anyway. Yeah. So I'm watching this show, and I, I am always fascinated with the with the, Amount of, with the, I am always fascinated with the incredible connection, and I hope I say this right because I don't want to insult anybody. The incredible connection that the completely disconnected Jew in Israel has to Judaism. Right. I, I'm, I'm always fascinated with the topic. Mayor and I discussed it a million times in a variety of manners. You watch TV in Israel, and it, it's unbelievable how culturally Jewish and culturally religious. So many things are on television, even though it's being presented by people who are not ritually observant. And I'm I'm watching this cash cab Israeli edition, and half the questions are about Tanakh, Jewish history, the Hebrew language. Obviously, they ask questions about, you know, uh, Academy Awards and movies as well. But it's unbelievable to me to watch these Israelis with, you know, who are coming from a club in Tel Aviv late at night and hopping into a cab and are dressed in a manner that none of us want any of our kids to dress. <laughs> and, and they are completely fluent in so many of these topics. They have so much Judaism within them, even though they are not ritually observant. You must give me your reaction to this.
1: Well, first thing, it is a great show, and it's also a funny show. It's called Monit HaKeseth. It's ah. a good show, and the, the host is just, he's good, he's funny. Uh, and you do get to meet it. My wife watches another show, which is the, the Master Chef show uh-huh and and there you see also such Judaism come out of the food, the culture where you came from, and the, my house, and my parents made kiddish, and I won 't make non kosher food in and, and the show and et cetera, et cetera. Very you know, you do get to see it a lot uh, i think I think Nahum, part of the answer is that there's something in this world that happens organically, holistically, through the place that you live. It just comes out of the ground, just like here in Texas, you could feel that Texas pride. Uh, and and in all places, you know, the, the culture just seeps through. Uh, in Eretz Israel, uh, even though the school system in the secular world is not, you know, strongly uh, Jewish, uh, but it's not. It's not. You know, I don't think it's doing a great job teaching, you know, the basics of Judaism. Still, through the home and through the land, it just seeps in. And you, if you look at Israeli politics, Israeli politics is moving all the time more towards the national towards the religious right. there's everybody admits this that there's a movement to the to the what they call the right side of the spectrum right. and so so Jews are 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 in a, in an organic kind of way coming back to their roots and they're interested in their roots plus plus for god's sake the story of Israel
0: is the greatest story ever told but, but it's but, the most exciting but sometimes when how, we, how can you not know it right but and, you and, know? and again I don't want I'm, I'm trying not to criticize but I'm trying to open up people's eyes those of us on this side of the world who are ritually observant will often look, you know, with a certain disdain to those who are not, especially those who live in Israel. And they need to know that those kids that I just described earlier, know Hebrew better than your kids. I don't mean you, I mean the kids here in America. Know Hebrew better than your kids. Know more Tanakh than the people, you know, in your family are more familiar with and, you know, and and feel a certain way about what you just said, kiddish and other ritually observant things. Um, you know, th- than people here do, even though, again, their day may not be completely filled with, you know, what we would, what we, we, you know, 100 percent observant. And, and you know, this, right. th- tomorrow the Israel baseball team takes the field against South Korea. The Israel baseball team, when they remove their caps, at least this is what happened here in New York, when they remove their caps for the anthems, et cetera, they're wearing yarmulkes. They don't have to. A cap is sufficient. You don't have to have a yarmulke. But they feel that they're representing the Jewish people. When I spoke to to tomorrow's starting pitcher on the air, which happened a few weeks ago. I don't even know if it's been announced yet that he's the starter, but I happen to know that <laughs> when I spoke to him on the air, he he, he he's from a he's from a simply Israel connected family from California. That's it. That's the extent of his Judaism. Mm-hmm. And he decided he's going to become an Israeli citizen and takes representing the Jewish people on the field so seriously. I was in I was in uh, the Ilan Ramon Memorial in the Negev a few weeks ago, and and you know mm-hmm. he, he 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 knew the importance. And he knew the the seriousness of saying Kiddush in space, even though he may not have said Kiddush every week in his house because he knew he was representing the Jewish people. And I think all of this has to be emphasized.
1: Uh, Ilan Ramon was an amazing Kiddush Hashem maker. I was just in the Kennedy Space Center uh, and saw his his kind of biography uh, memorial page there um, and it just talked about all the stuff that he did to show his his Jewish and Israeli pride. It's important to remember that Elon Ramon was also a big fighter for right. Israel. He was the air force, uh, one of the on the right, but he was in the bomb squadron right. that that took out the Osirak bomb. He was the youngest guy there, and because he was the youngest and unmarried, they put him last right. because uh, he was the most expendable in that sense. Right. And, and and he made it out of there. Uh, yeah, he, 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 he was a great Kiddush Hashem, and, and if you watch Israeli TV today, you will find a lot of Orthodox people in key positions, like, uh, like Sivan Rahav Meir, for example, and people are watching these people, and they see it, and they're, just, they're attracted to Judaism. It's a more full identity, when you have the land of Israel... The people of Israel following the the Torah and the God of Israel, looking up at the at the God of Israel above, and and people are just the, the, it, there's more of a yearning for that today. Jerusalem is taking a more prevalent role in in, in Israeli identity. Uh, Tel Aviv continues to be you know what they call the Merkaz, the center, but still, though there is there is a tendency towards Judaism. Uh, and I'm glad that you see it that way. For me, I also see it that way, but I would love to see it expand even more.
0: Right? Uh, no, um, I, uh, you know, know, you know, know, I agree with you on that. You know, I agree with
1: you. Right. There. By when the I, way, when I, when I go to the when I go to the army, I find I kind of quiz my my friends, uh, my colleagues, and I'm uh, sometimes I'm just like Ush oh, like, right. like they have a sense for it, but but uh, but it's not. Uh, I'll give you a few examples. Just Shavuot, for example. Shavuot is people just don't know exactly what Shavuot is about. They know it's the, you know, it's the, it, it became culturally like the the holiday that you eat milk, right. milk products. Okay, which is great. But like even more. But your point is, is that Judaism uh, is is alive and well, especially in in the, in the secular world here in America. If you're very secular, you assimilate out. Yeah. Um, you assimilate out. Or or for my purposes as a more politically oriented person, I see that if you're assimilated and you don't have the historic and biblical knowledge, you're more likely to be a victim of propaganda that tells you, for example, that Chevron is an Arab city where a few crazy Jews have yeah. moved into and tried to take away Palestinian land. If you if you don't know much historically or haven't been there as a soldier if you haven't had those experiences you're much more likely to be a victim and and in fact uh this guy Isa Amru who's a big anti-israel activist from Hebron uh, arab uh, anti-israel activist uh he they wrote an article about him in Tablet magazine and he says pretty much overtly he says yeah my target now is american jews and, and in parentheses, he didn't quite say it. He said it in a different way, but it's like they don't know much, and I have much more, they're the more ability to they're, they're, brainwash they're them. More,
0: they're more malleable. Exactly. Uh, well, what can I tell you? By the way, you heard this rumor that uh, – I, I should be careful saying this publicly, but I'll try to get away with it. You heard this rumor that now they're davening mincha every day on the Anhara uh, Bayad without Sidurim. it's uh, not
1: a rumor. I've done it myself.
0: What's the story? <laughs> what happened? What happened that they're allowing them? <laughs>
1: we've been we've been uh... it's it's, for, it's not it's not it hasn't it's not created by the new government the new government has not stopped it, but uh... but it hasn't been created by the new government in the last two years uh... there's been in general there's been a huge push towards normalization on the temple mount and there's been created a yeshiva mamash at the entrance of the temple mount and and rabbi uh, eliyahu What's his last name? I forgot right now. Um, and we go up there, and they've been just stepping back and letting us do our thing. I, I had the, I'm telling you, the greatest, one of the greatest chutz in my life was two Rosh Hashanahs ago that I went up both days in the morning. Instead of going to shul, I went up to Harabite, and there were Jews there. Nachem, you will not believe it. Young Jews who knew the whole uh, davening by heart, oh including God. including the way you say the bracha on on Harabite, which is different, and they knew the Kriyat Torah and the Haftorah all by heart, and they we said the whole thing, including the Akedah, including reading the Akedah. Uh, we did the whole davening. It, uh, was, it was it was it was really it, it it was it was breathtaking. I mean, I mean. If we step back and think about what we're talking about, it's really crazy. It's like in the heart of the Jewish world, in the heart of the land of Israel, in the capital of the Jewish state, in Jerusalem, we're talking about the big deal of being able to pray right. on the Temple Mount. It should right. be Pashita. It should, right. be, it right. should, be, should be a non-issue. Right. But uh, as, and even the Supreme Court has backed it. Right. But, uh, but as, the bottom line is, is that it's been more and more normalized, and there is prayer on the Temple Mount. And you know what? You, your first concern right now was, should I say it publicly, lest we ruin this thing. But I want you to know that the Temple Mount people always say no. We should say it out loud that this is what we're doing, and this is what we're pushing for, and this is the right thing. So I'm glad we're
0: discussing it. Wow. What you just told Uh, me.
1: Yeah. yeah. Listen, my my mom made Aliyah, uh, what is it now, five years ago, and she has become a a Temple Mount activist, Temple Mount Jew. She's up there mamish once a week bringing people up, and, uh, and they, my mom has strengthened my resolve to be uh, a, a more dedicated Temple Mount person. For example, the, uh, the, the newspaper Macquarie Shon, which is one of Israel's top papers but leans more to the right and to the national, to the religious, um, has a page every, every Friday which is called Dafabite, which means the home page but also means the, the, the page of Harabite. Uh And uh, there's a guy named there uh, by the name of Segal. And he, uh, he, he just put out a book about Harabite, and it's becoming more... He, now on Tisha B'av, I was there on Tisha B'av, we went up 2,000 people. Uh, I, I brought up my two sons up there. A, at the same time, the Arabs are sensing this, and they are stepping up violence to stop people from going up to the Temple Mount. And it should be given credit to the Bennett government that this uh, particular Tisha B'Av, at 6.30 in the morning, they were already throwing rocks. And the, and the order was given, the police went in their chazak, they went in their strong, and pushed back on the, on the terrorists and allowed up, uh, allowed Jews to pray on, on, the, on the Temple Mount, which was an important test. So, yeah, uh, it's, it's, listen, there are some rabbis who are against it. I know that some listeners might say, is it us or is it not? Uh, my rabbis, including Rabbi Moshe Tendler, he should be healthy and well. He's going through some stuff right now uh, in America. And many of my rabbis, uh, uh, Rabbi Nachom Rabinovich, alava shalom, and many others, uh, you know, promote the rights of Jews and the importance of Jews to pray on the Temple Mount. And I am proudly one of those people.
0: Well, uh, we, we've said for years uh, we encourage people to go to the halakhically permissible areas of the Temple Mount. Simple as that. I think anybody who's banned it completely was doing it only because of a, you know, a get there, only because they wanted to make sure no one ever goes close to the uh, improper, you know, places where it would not be proper to go. But certainly, you just said Rabbi Tendler, I mean, he he will be the first to tell you that there are halakhically um, uh, practically, there are halakhically uh, approved places to go to on the Temple Mount, and I'm assuming that that's where you generally hang out. Absolutely. So there
1: no, no, nobody here. Nobody here is trying to do Kiddush Hashem through Chil It's not a mitzvah vav right. We do it through the permissible ways. Uh, but at the same time, there is also on on top of on top of the wondrousness of coming close to the to, to the Mount of God, to the House of God, and therefore to God Himself. There's also something called kibush. We have to. We have right. to. We have to. There's there's a fight to capture this place and to not let it be uh, the, the realm of, of, uh, of, of the people who want to deny our, our, our very presence in this land. Yeah. Not in, making... simple, in simple words, we, we, we have to push back on the jihad in simple
0: yeah. terms. Not making the same mistake of 50-plus years ago. Uh, Yishai, sure. can't thank you enough. Uh, enjoy your stay in the United States, and of course, enjoy your return to the Holy Land, and we look forward to seeing you and speaking to you in the holy city of Hebron.
1: God bless you uh, I'm, I'm again, I'm a little bit jealous that you got a chance to fly in and I'm glad uh, that, how how was that elon Ramon uh, did you go down to the airport? Is that where you went no I went you, we,
0: new- you know the Mahtesh? uh you yeah. know where, you know where Breshitte is on the edge of the uh, crater, so right sure. literally right there Mitzpah Ramon. Uh, there's a uh, there's a an unbelievable memorial tribute to him. I mean, the entire building is dedicated to him, and they have it's a museum with artifacts and items and history and great videos, and it was just wonderful. It was incredible.
1: That's uh, I'm gonna I have not been there. I'm gonna I'm gonna go there when I come back because of your recommendation. Thank and you. And also we have a new and we have a new airport in the south. Yes, close named, Lod, named for
0: him and which, his son, right?
1: Right, exactly. the mm-hmm. The Ramon Airport. And let's let's pray that this COVID business or our leaders. You know, either COVID goes away, our leaders wake up, and let's allow not just not just one airport to be full, but two airports at least uh, in the Holy Land to to welcome all the folks from around the world, especially the Jewish people, back to
0: Israel. Amen to that. And by the way, Chaiyisara this year would be relatively early, right? It would be really early in the calendar. If yeah. I'm, if I'm yeah, look, yeah. If I'm looking now, it's uh, let's see. Hey, give me a second. It would be it would be the 30th of October. Wow, that is an early Chaiyisara. 30th of October. Let's hope, and pray. Mm-hmm. Let's hope and pray we reunite in the holy city of Hebron for that one, Yishai.
1: Okay, I- if, if, you, if you want it, just tell me. I'll, I'll hook you up with a, through the Hebron Fund, hook you up with a, with a VIP uh, bed there, which is like, you know, VIP in Hebron Chaisar is like two-star in a regular.
0: Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, deba- I'm debating now if I should challenge you on the two-star thing and go a little lower, but okay. <laughs> we'll get you in there. As they say in Texas, Yishai, God bless you. God bless you. Nahum, thanks so much for having me on, and God bless. You'll see you soon. Always a pleasure. Yishai Fleischer, everybody. Unbelievable. More coming up. It's a Wednesday at JM in the AM. That was my conversation with Yishai Fleischer. Ashley Blaker is next. Got a brand-new series on BBC Radio, making the most out of a very interesting COVID situation. Ashley Blaker, a recent guest on JM Nam. the AM. Here he is on JM Rewind on the Nahum Segal Network. Ashley Blaker is with us live via telephone, I believe all the way from the UK, if I'm not mistaken. He's the internationally acclaimed stand-up comedian, star of a couple of amazing off-Broadway shows. We had the pleasure of being front row for one of his Broadway shows just before COVID. Great performance. He's got a brand new series on BBC Radio 4. It's called Ashley Blaker. I don't know if it's 6.5 children, or in the vernacular they say six and a half children, but we're going to find out. Ashley Blake, are an honor to welcome you back to JM and the AM.
3: Oh, wonderful to be here. I can't tell you how wonderful it is to be here, actually, because you know what? I've come down to the studio several times, as you know. Sure. Uh, and it's like 7.30, and I'm living on the Upper East Side, and I have to get up really early to come down. And this is brilliant. I get to speak to you. It's half past 12 in the afternoon. (laughs) I haven't had to get up early.
0: This is fabulous. Uh. We must
3: do this more often.
0: (laughs) What's, (laughs) What's happening in your part of the world? Are the kosher restaurants open? Are people around and about? Or are people completely isolated the way they were for months in the UK?
3: No, kosher restaurants are... I love that. That's... What a Jew we, what Jews we are. The first, we don't want to know of people dying, of people in hospital. A kosher restaurant's open.
0: Obviously, what are we going to eat? What's, That's what we what's, want to know. What's more important That's than the pizza
3: shops? <laughs> exactly, the kosher restaurants have reopened. The sushi is being made. The only <laughs> trouble is, I'm I'm worried about the kosher restaurants because post COVID, they said like they're phasing out cash. They don't want people using cash. They want people to use credit cards. Right. Now that is a major dilemma for kosher restaurants, being told you can't take cash. That's like do we want to reopen? Do we not want to reopen? Some of the some so, of the some uh, of the
0: some, yeah, we, some of the restaurants were founded on the principle that it'll operate only with cash. Uh,
3: <laughs> exactly. Uh, I was gonna say, there's like well, they they've had credit card machines that have never worked. So yes, there you go. Life uh, is slowly returning. I'm hoping to International travel not quite yet, so I'm I'm on the phone and not in person. But uh, yeah. at some point we'll do that as well.
0: I wonder the next time you'll be in the United States. I'll tell you this thing is dragging on.
3: I, I hope after this, yeah, this, this maybe after Sukkot. This,
0: we'll this thing is dragging on a little too uh, a little too long for most of us. It's just uh, enough already, especially for those of us. And I I I'm, I got to be careful the way I say this because I was just in Israel a couple of times, but still, even I. Uh, you know, would like to see open skies and regular travel to the Holy Land, and all that. Of course, is a great concern. I, I can. I said to uh, my listeners earlier in the show that I mean, obviously, the month of Adar is the one where we, you know, really step up the comedic angle of Jewish life. But I, I think there. I think this time of year is also sort of made for you as well, for uh, you brilliant comedians. Am I right that Shabbos Nachamu has a certain comical vibe to it?
3: Uh, every Shabbos has a comical vibe. I mean, uh, but why? Why did the two Shabbos knock me? Why? I don't like, know. I always feel bad so Now we're allowed to be happy. I,
0: I always feel coming out of the nine days and people let loose with normally without COVID, with big concerts and events, and uh, and people start going on vacation for a week or two before the month of L. I don't know. I just seem it's a little. I it, to me it seems a little bit more of a lighthearted part of the calendar. Let's put it that way.
3: Oh no, that's that's for sure. Definitely lighthearted. I mean, I did. I used to do some of those. Um, you know, like everyone. I'm sure they still are this year. But uh, that going up to like the colonies and sure. up in the yeah. um like upstate. So I've done those and yeah. moon and-
0: You've done you've done the bungalows. You're 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 an official uh, you're an official international artist since you've done the bungalow colonies. Ashley Blaker's with us. All right. Before we talk about your series. Uh, which, of course, we'll get to. I need your comment about a couple of things. First of all, growing up on that side of the world, were you aware of the impact that Jackie Mason made on the world of comedy in the United States? Oh, yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah. How Jewish is this? My uncle was his accountant.
2: Oh, my a gosh. A gay
3: Jewish. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so we, we love Jackie Mason. You know, he did the raw variety. And, um, yeah, I mean, he, he's such, a, such a, an icon, Um it's, and, fu- uh, it, it, yes, it's, it's funny be-
0: because your format, which often, of course, you know, discusses the interesting things about our community, sometimes juxtaposed with the interesting things in other communities, that, that was really, uh, not, not that I'm suggesting that one borrowed from the other, but I'm saying you could appreciate his style uh, tremendously because a lot of his act was comparing cultures and societies and where the whole Jewish angle fits in.
3: Uh, yeah, I suppose his thing. Look, his thing, he, 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 look, he was first there to, 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 the first person probably to really talk, certainly in front of a mainstream audience, right. to talk about the difference between Jews and Gentiles right. and Judaism. This, this. I actually, I was talking to someone recently, though, funnily enough, uh, about two, three weeks ago, I was saying that one of his most famous routines. I always think when people say about Czechoslovakia, he says a Jew, a uh, gentile, likes to drink. A uh, right. Jew likes to eat. Right. That was That's that always seems to be basically the entire, the entire. Uh, if you had to kind of boil his act down to one right. sentence, it's a Jew eats, a gentile drink. Correct. But you know what? I think, but I think we can we can outdrink the, the non-Jews as well. What? There is no other culture in the world, right? that would have a kiddish which is basically drinking in the morning on an empty stomach. <laughs> and not only that we actually want some people it's it's like I can't wait till eleven o'clock. I'm having to go to a Hatara Club so I can drink even earlier.
0: Yeah, with the Kiddish so, Club, right? I don't know. I think
3: Jackie Jackie Mason hadn't thought of that. We are, I think we can
0: we can drink as well, because we like food more. He may have completely misrepresented us. Unbelievable. Ashley Blaker is with us live via telephone uh, from the UK. What do you make of this whole Ben and Jerry's thing? I mean, I don't even know if they're talking about it in your country.
3: Yeah, the people were talking about it. I saw quite a lot of people – I saw a lot of people uh, – tweeting and posting on Facebook. They weren't going to eat Ben and Jerry's anymore. And I was thinking, wow, they ate Stan. Wow, they've gone down <laughs> in my estimation. So... Um so that's what I think of it. I, I, I'm, I'm looking at that, thinking, "Wow, I'm I'm making a list here."
0: Yeah, you never realized that you had friends in that category, huh?
3: <laughs> yeah, I, I thought, "Wow, I thought you were I thought you were from you." Now you're telling me you haven't been in Jerry's. <laughs> what was going on? What else was going on? You're telling me you you're going to be telling me next year your meat wasn't Kadushia. Uh, What's going on?
0: Uh, we thought you were a real Jew. What's going on? Is right. All right. Um. So of course, because uh, Ashley Blaker cannot possibly be in a situation that he does not develop some type of comedy routine about. Um, it, it seems that your latest series, picked up by the BBC, and I don't know how it works in, 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 in uh, the UK, but I'm assuming that uh, uh, you know uh, radio series are common. I don't know. You could tell us how that works just in terms of the, the logistics. Um, but you you developed for them a special... Uh, a special uh, series entitled Ashley Blaker 6.5 Children. Tell us about this.
3: So, uh, you know, it's... uh, uh, So firstly, I should preface this by saying it's a really interesting cultural difference. I I was talking to... doing an interview with an American thing the other day, and I was saying that in America, there's no history of, like, radio to TV and the relationship in terms of comedy. In the UK, um, like... Half of our greatest TV shows started on radio. That's like the route you take. It's like, you know, it's a weird thing to kind of convey. Like, you imagine Seinfeld or right. Friends or Cheers or whatever. You started on radio, and then they moved over.
0: Right. Remember, in American history, it was identical to the way you just described it. It just ended here really, really early compared to what you're going through over there.
3: Right. Uh, okay, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, um, So when I used to perform for first started performing for non-Jewish audiences and talking about my life and, and Judaism and different stuff, I would mention, like in passing, just like a brief mention, I had six children. And whereas with performing for Jews and particularly performing for from Jews, no one would bat an eyelid, but people would say, oh, only six. Uh, performing for non-Jews, people would go, what? like, what? Sick. Did I hear that right, six children? And it struck me that that was just an interesting thing to talk about. So I wanted to do a show about my family life, about having parenting more children than probably you're meant to have set up in the world. The world isn't really set up for larger families. Right. Uh, But then as I wrote it, as I started writing it, what I found actually even more interesting was the fact that we, for example, we have three children with special needs. We have two children who are autistic. We have an adopted child with Down syndrome. I wanted to talk about that. I wanted to talk about adoption itself just as a process and, and what it's like bringing an extra child to your family who wasn't uh, your biologically yours. And then I also wanted to talk a lot about, and there's an entire episode devoted to parenting during coronavirus because obviously the children are at home, we were homeschooling, all of that kind of fun. So more than enough to fill the whole series. And it's, it's been, it's, we're three episodes in already. They're all online. Available all over the world, so uh, no, um, you don't have to be only in the UK. Uh, They're all on the BBC, and they were the number one stand-up show on the BBC Sounds website. And yeah, they've been really well received. But I'd love people to hear them and let me know what they think.
0: You've just described to us, and and I I don't know, you know, I don't want to make too big of a deal because I don't know if you make too big of a deal of it. But you just described to this audience, um, you know, a a lot of very. how do I put this? Different or serious family situations. Like you, you have a lot of stuff going on. Let's put it that way. Would that be accurate? Yeah. No, it's
3: it, it's. I mean, one of the things I'm really pleased with this show, and and oh, well, certainly I I'm pleased when people tell me ever cute. That's certainly something I was aiming for. Was to deal with serious issues, yeah. adoption, raising special needs children, yeah. things like that. Uh, but with a with comedy, and, and I hope they're just as funny as anything else I've done, if not funnier. Uh, but still talk about serious stuff. So I really hope people enjoy them uh, and get, a, get something out of them. And it actually has been really gratifying. Uh, the episode that went out last week is called The Special Ones, and it's about raising – it's basically I go through the five things that parents with special needs children would like you to know about us and our children – and I've had so many messages from people saying that they could really relate to this, that this was their experience, that they felt. I was very nervous that people would yeah. say, oh, no, that's not my experience at all. But because, uh, you know, you can't be a spokesman for everyone. You, can't, you can only talk about your own experiences. But I've been really grateful and pleased that people have told me this was their experiences as well.
0: Wow. And I do want to remind everybody that at times when it's not covid you spend months at a time outside of the UK, so you must be married to an angel. When you listen
3: to this show, you'll
0: know why. <laughs> Uh-oh. Yeah,
3: listen it's, to the show, and then you'll know why. You'll go, oh, oh I, I, actually, I, actually,
0: actually, I actually heard like half of the first episode. I think what you're alluding to is that it's better for your family if you're out of town, right? <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> uh, it's better for all of us it's
3: better for <laughs> yeah uh so no i mean look the life of a touring comedian as well is exactly it's, it's not it's not easy but yes it's been a a, a slight change the last yay uh, many months 16 yeah. 17 months because yes you're right i remember obviously i was doing the show at the Soho playhouse sure uh we closed just before right. just before it all kicked off right. and i could see that what was happening and and I came back, and my lease was up anyway. It was a good time to come back. And, uh, yeah, it, and I've barely moved since.
0: Yeah, God said, I'm going to send the pandemic, but not till Ashley's show is over. I'm not going to interrupt that run. I mean, come exactly.
3: on. <laughs> exactly. exactly.
0: Uh, a- Ashley Blaker is with us, everybody. You can go to his website, ashleyblaker.com, ashleyblaker.com, and all the information about all of his stuff is up there, including the brand-new series, which is now on BBC Radio 4. It's called Ashley Blaker 6.5. Children, You could also uh, sign up for his email updates uh, right there on the homepage at ashleyblaker.com. I'm sure I brought this up with you on prior occasions, likely when you were in our studio. You know, we have a certain impression. I think the community in general, especially the Israel-loving community, has a certain impression of BBC. Um, I I think you've basically have tried, uh, and I think successfully, to debunk the myth that they, you know, they don't want to be associated with anything Jewish. I mean, just your story itself uh, tells us that that's, you know, uh, that's likely the case that they have, you know, no interest in censoring or not having to deal with uh, Jewish topics. Yet to us, because of the reputation that the BBC has in terms of its coverage of Israel, to us, to many of us, it's a surprise that they pick up a show like yours, which concentrates on life as an Orthodox Jew. How would you respond? Well,
3: well, firstly, that's that's. BBC news so you're talking about specifically news there that's right. a, a you know a, a news based um story you're talking about and and it is the the belief of some that BBC news doesn't cover Israel that favorably right i should tell you and it's like all these things so that a num i'm i'm absolutely sure and while many people will listen to this and say that is it's <laughs> they get the Number,
0: Ashley, 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 we're, loo- we're losing you. We're losing you. Where are you? Hello. Oh, I can't believe I think we lost him. Oh, Ashley. Can you? Hear me? Can you? Hear me? Oh, I hope he'll call back. I hope. I hope. I hope. Yeah, I understand that. BBC News is obviously you know a different entity than the BBC, but I think that uh, those of you who remember the conversations with Ashley Blaker, was was when he was in the studio, uh, I think you um, also were. A bit surprised to find out just how welcoming his fellow writers were, just how welcoming the um, uh, the people who made decisions about the shows that would air, et cetera, how they were. Ashley, go ahead. Yes. Uh, you know what? They got so annoyed as my answer to the BBC, <laughs> they
3: just pulled the plug. <laughs> no, I think, uh, as I say, firstly, you're talking about BBC News right. here anyway. so right. uh, that That is a, you know, it's a very specific news-based thing. But I think I said this last time. It's like all these things. You would probably find the exact same number of com- people people complaining, saying that they are too pro-Israel and anti-Palestinian. Right. These things are so often held, you know, that the eye of the beholder takes things in a certain way. It, 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 it is amazing how many times you see that. But when it com- the same number of complaints but, on both but, sides.
0: But when it comes to BBC Entertainment, you have such a great relationship with the writers and the people who are picking up your show, obviously, you know, want to encourage people to listen to, you know, a show about Orthodoxy. I church.
3: have to, say, 100%. Yeah, I'm saying 100%, so. this isn't, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and look, I, I should say, this. What I, one thing I'm really pleased with this show as well is that there's Judaism throughout it, and it's mentioned. Uh, and My rabbi, like, is a character, and, you know, there's different... Um, allusions to Judaism throughout a part. The first episode has a, a little bit of discussion about Jewish life, just as far as having lots of children, but thereafter it really is barely mentioned just like in passing. And I don't think there's enough of that. I think that something things that I really think you don't see enough is, is like Orthodox Jews just doing something and they just happen to be Orthodox Jews. Right. You know, normally it's like there has to be a program about Judaism. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a drama about uh, someone who's Jewish or someone who's Orthodox or something who used to be Orthodox. Why not just do a thing and it just happens to be the case, you know?
2: Yeah, well... Like, you
3: do not have to, have to be that thing. So that's something that I'm really pleased with this show. It's just here as a Jewish person just doing a comedy show. It, the fact... It can just... It can exist.
0: Well, you know? without asking you your impressions of that new Netflix series, it sounds like I've gotten your impressions of that new Netflix series.
3: No, I I haven't watched it yet. uh, uh, But, I mean, that's what I mean. It's like, and that's fine. I I don't, look, it's just about one person. It's about one person or one family. I don't, it's just, I don't get too excited about these things. And a lot of people get very uh, upset about these kind of things. And they particularly bother me. But what I don't feel that you see enough of is just here is a very obviously Jewish person or a very obviously from person just doing their thing, uh, which isn't, they're on TV or they're on, you know, and it's not actually talking about Judaism. You right. don't see that. In fact, I was—I the times that I've been on TV not talking about that, talking about something else, people have said to me, they've never seen that. You just don't see that. If you see someone who looks for them on TV, they're either talking about anti-Semitism or they're talking about, they're explaining
0: Judaism in some way. Uh, what happened? Why couldn't England hit more free kicks and beat Italy? Uh,
3: yeah, <laughs> um, yeah they, but I, this is a, again a very difficult one to explain to someone who can't from outside of England. We have such tribal when it comes to soccer in the UK. We have such tribal uh, affiliations. So that for me, I don't follow England. I don't care about England. they not you know, so a lot of Americans said, Oh, I'm so sorry your team lost. They're not my team because I support Liverpool. And and if any player who doesn't play for my team, I, I can't support a team with them in
0: it. It's, I'm trying it's, to it's just, I'm trying to think of a
3: it's comparison. Very hard to explain.
0: I'm a Yankee no, fan. Well, I'm a Yankee fan I'm a Yankee fan, but I would root right. for the USA in the baseball Olympics.
3: Right, I know, because it's because, because, exactly, because they don't have that tribal culture of, wow. of uh, we are just so, like, it's just in our blood to, yeah, I I guess, I it's very, very hard to explain outside, because Americans, yeah, you don't really have international sports so much, I and mean, I know they have, right. the, you, you might have the Olympics when they'll have, like, the basketball players come right. together, but it's not quite the same. Yeah, and, yeah. By, and, so, by, and how's your basketball team going? You were getting very excited about the... Uh, I remember the... Was it the YU team were doing very well the last time I was... I guess they since
0: the pandemic, they've had to stop. Is that right? It's so funny you mentioned that, because um, if you visited us, which I believe you did in January of 2020, they were on an incredible winning streak, which is still going on, because they have not lost... Uh, well, obviously, they haven't lost since then, because they haven't played since then, but... Uh, uh, they were advancing in the playoffs. It looked like they were heading to the what we call the Sweet 16 in Division Three, And then, of course, the uh, plug got pulled on everything. But it's it's fascinating to remember. That's my tribal uh, following, the Yeshiva University uh, Maccabees.
3: <laughs> right, exactly. So there you go. I remember that. These are the things I remember. I remember that and food. Um, do you remember the food you told me to get in Borough Park?
0: Yeah, but it was not Borough Park. I told you to get Grill on Lee, didn't I? Wasn't no. it? Well, oh, what? Well, didn't I tell, what was it? Didn't I tell you to go to Grill-on-Lee in Williamsburg? Wasn't that the place? I um, maybe. I, got yeah. on, uh, I I was on 13th Avenue.
3: I have a new place. Lossie's. Oh, yes,
0: Lossie's. Lossie's on New Utrecht, yes. Went
3: to Lossie's. I'm the new, new Utrecht on 13th Avenue. Yes. The oh, my there.
0: gosh. Is that good food? Oh, is that good food? Yes. Oh, I'm so glad you're taking my yeah. recommendations. I have a new one for you. Next time you're in Queens, you have to go into Mechy's. At Aaron's Casino Farms, you'll have the perfect potato kugel. But I'll save that for next, the next discussion. Please, God.
3: I've completely forgotten. What was the name? What was the name of that dish that I bought there? What was it? I've actually forgotten already. You mean yapchick? The yapchick. Yeah, the yapchik. Yeah, because I've never seen that here. I just, I don't know. I mean, you must be able to get it in Stanford or whatever. But, yeah, the yapchick. And I, I, I just, you didn't tell me to get a lozzy. You told me to get the yapchick. And I happened to be on 13th Avenue. Right. And I wandered into lozzy's. And I bought this fabulous yapchik. It was absolutely wonderful.
0: You're telling me if you go to Golders Green, there's no yapchik.
3: i never, uh, I don't know, I've never heard of yapchik. Wow! I, you, you, you were the one who told me. I that. gotta, I gotta postpone my, trip. I, I... I gotta
0: postpone my trip to the UK now. <laughs>
3: No, you need to bring the yapchik with oh, you. Then, you need to bring it forward. Actually, it's, it's <laughs> just a good bring idea. two suitcases full of yap-chick. It'd Be <laughs> now, like a Pied Piper uh, walking no. down the Golden Screen Road. Everyone following <laughs> going,
0: What's that smell? The, <laughs> the piping hot Piper, maybe more like it. Ah, uh, the one and only Ashley Blaker. Check out his new series, Six Point Five Children, and look forward to hopefully, hopefully October, November, December. Hopefully. In 2021, he'll be here live and in person, not just with us, but touring in the United States. Go to ashleyblaker.com, ashleyblaker.com. Ashley, I'm going to take this opportunity and wish you a shanat tovah. Thanks so much for joining us this morning.
3: Thank you, absolutely, and to you. Have a, a good, good thanks to you. And uh, I look forward to seeing you and Miriam and everyone else. And i back in person at
0: some point soon. Please, God. We're looking forward to it, believe you me. More coming up in America's one and only Jewish Moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners' sponsored digital radio. round the World the Web at NahumSiegel.com and the NahumSiegel Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. That was my conversation with Ashley Blaker. Phil Goldfeder was with us recently, Senior Vice President at Cross River Bank, to discuss a very interesting event for investors in Israel that took place. Phil Goldfeder, my guest on JM the AM. Here he is on JM Rewind on the NahumSiegel Network. Well, last week we told you that Cross River Bank... Has a special event going on this afternoon. Actually, it's called "Our History, Your Future." Cross River is encouraging people and companies to invest in Israel with Cross River. And today, this private cocktail reception is going to allow brokers, lenders, and investment professionals to to network and connect. Uh, it starts at 4 p.m. this afternoon in Long Island City. Um, even though it's a you know private reception, I still felt, and I think that. Everybody out there would agree, and certainly the people at Cross River agree, uh, that an event like this needs some publicity. People need to know that there are efforts being made to encourage people and companies to invest in Israel and to really uh, explore what Israel has to offer. Phil Goldfeder, our wonderful friend, is senior vice president at Cross River and is with us live via telephone. Phil, welcome back to JM in the AM.
4: Oh, it's amazing to be back. Thank you so much for having me.
0: I appreciate that, and what an interesting period of time to discussing encouraging people to invest in Israel when there are certain companies out there, as you know, who are specifically encouraging people not to invest in Israel. Isn't it amazing that your event today is uh, taking place during this atmosphere?
4: It's absolutely perfect. We couldn't have planned it any better, and I (laughs) think— I think particularly, you know, I think Cross River has always understood the need to invest in Israel. I mean, we've developed and, and built out a full technology development office in Israel that helps power what we do here at Cross River. We recognize, especially through COVID, and Nahum, you went through this yourself, where yeah. traveling to Israel, getting to Israel is not always as certain, I think, as most of us have been taking it. And from Cross River's perspective, post pandemic, we realize we should provide the opportunities and the resources and whatever it may take. To help people invest in Israel, whether it's real estate, whether it's investing, whatever it is, to to, to either get there and, and be more part of uh, of the land yourself, or just find ways to help others. So it's just this is really a great opportunity, and and we're not we're not full yet. And I encourage folks, if, if you're interested, to attend crossriverisrael.com to sign up today, four to seven. It's really going to be a great opportunity to meet bankers and brokers and even designers uh we've really put together a trusted group of cross river friends to help facilitate any and all types types of investment in israel
0: all right i didn't even realize that when it said private i took that uh, literally but listeners and those in the business world that want to explore this and be in long island city today at 4 p.m to meet with and to network with the group that you just described they literally can sign up and be part of it today
4: Oh, absolutely. I mean, Cross River is already your trusted friend for so many opportunities. This is another opportunity to not just uh, meet some real professionals, but network with other people who have similar interests in finding ways to invest in Israel. So there are going to be amazing opportunities. We have real estate developers that have uh, given sole opportunity and, and, and uh, exclusivity to, to, to those who are going to be attending today's event. So we're really excited. Look, it's part of our mission at Cross River. To help folks connect with with Eretz Israel, to help folks uh, connect with Yerushalayim, and help people settle in the land.
0: Yeah, and the website you gave was River... Israel dot com. Israel dot com. Uh, Phil Goldfeder is with us, senior vice president at Cross River. How, how does a bank? How does a bank get to this point? I mean, I would assume that when a bank is founded, uh, they have to approve their. Uh, Uh, their responsibility for a certain amount of capital. They have to get customers. They have to start uh, dealing with businesses. Loans obviously become a very big part of the banking um, uh, model. Uh, Then, of course, you guys became very, very well-known nationwide for everything you did to help facilitate uh, paycheck protection programs for so many large and small companies out there. And now you've got this international element. I never even realized that you have official offices and a setup in Israel. When does that stage become something that a bank can undertake and can expand to.
4: I mean look, we're we're very lucky. I mean we've obviously we you know sort of a lot of Seattle Dishmaya our our CEO Yakov uh, Yaakov Gage who fully believes in the mission that when you do good the bank and, and you'll you know your company will do well. And we've always leaned in to attack whatever problem, whatever challenge that we possibly could and, and, and sort of God will shine down and, and, and make us successful. And we have been blessed that we're, we're thankfully successful. And now our goal is to find more ways to spread that, to provide opportunities for, for other people to, to engage, whether it's, it's what we do in the bank. We recently opened up a brand-new branch uh, in Brooklyn. Um, and now with today's event, which is hopefully the first of many events that we are going to do, I mean, this is a, a really unique opportunity um, to meet with uh, pr- trusted professionals who can help you and facilitate any and all your needs and cross River again this is not about you know just about our business model it's about our mission to help people in, in anything and everything they may want to accomplish
0: if this fits into your uh, itinerary folks it fits into your uh, broader uh, portfolio let's put it that way cross Rivers our history your future event is today invest in Israel with cross River it's a private Cocktail reception beginning at 4 p.m. in Long Island City. Go to CrossRiverIsrael.com to register, CrossRiverIsrael.com. You will, in fact, be connecting with and networking with brokers, lenders, and investment professionals uh, specifically uh, who have their eye and their ear um, in Israel. Um, Is there a specific industry? You know, we talk about Israel. It's always about, you know, startups and high tech. Uh, Is that the direction that one must go in when thinking about Israel, or there's really a lot of other opportunities as well, Phil?
4: Oh, there's so many opportunities I mean, whether this is for a business need and, and understanding what Cross River has done to develop our offices but but tonight specifically it's it's it also could simply be about real estate, right? do you want to purchase wow. a home? do you want to purchase an apartment? do you want to meet with brokers? Do you want to understand how to how to utilize your investment that you already have and and figure out ways to to increase that investment i mean there's there's just so many opportunities uh you know cross river long time ago recognized that by investing in 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 Israel but specifically in Jerusalem to develop the talent it's really helped us grow and and tonight we're we're trying to provide additional opportunities for people to invest to meet with truck, trusted brokers advisors see ex like I said exclusive listings and properties in Tel, in Tel Aviv and Jerusalem and so there's just so many opportunities and and if nothing else it's just a, it's going to be a great evening to meet with great friends and and network and I see other people who have who share similar interests.
0: Where's the new branch in Brooklyn, by the way?
4: The new branch is on Coney Island Avenue. I should have the address on the top of my head. I don't. I'm going to get in very big trouble. Is it like it's the ha- I-
0: like the heart of Midwood?
4: It's in the heart of Midwood. Yeah, wow. absolutely. It's on Coney Island Avenue. I want to. Oh gosh, I'm gonna get in
0: trouble
4: now. Um no, I'm gonna text the address. Make sure you you tell everybody where I do breakfast. Yeah, but
0: believe you me, if it's the heart of Code Island Avenue, everyone listening in that area knows exactly where it is already, that I can promise you. Cross River has their big event later today at four PM. Go to CrossriverIsrael.com. Crossriverisrael.com. If you want to speak to someone and interact with a specific person about the event to see if it's for you, you could RSVP and get information by emailing Jay Taylor. That's initial J T-A-Y-L-O-R at CrossRiver.com. It's J, initial J, Taylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R at CrossRiver.com for information about what's happening later today. Uh, Phil, our best regards to everybody at Cross River, and good luck with today's event.
4: Thank you so much. And, again, thank you for everything that you do to help. Uh, also, again, you said this is a troubling time, right? And so it's important that we all shine a light and show people the value of, of what investment and what Israel is all about.
0: Yeah, no question about it. Precarious times—that's how I would put it. And uh, we have to do what we can to make sure that things are as stable and as uh, growing as possible. Phil Goldfeder—he's a senior vice president at Cross River. Uh, no, no—I mean full disclosure, as you know, everybody. Great supporters of ours, always encouraging us in more ways than one—not just financially. And we appreciate that. In today's event, Bezrat Hashem will be a great success for them and for all who attend. More coming up. It's a Monday morning broadcast. And you're listening to JM in the AM. That was my conversation with Phil Goldfeder. Plenty more coming up. Thanks for listening to JM Rewind. Keep it here at the Nachum Segal Network.